KCSB FM, Santa Barbara 91.9. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Clarissa Hom with KCSB News. This is the show that shares what's happening in and around Isla Vista and the UC Santa Barbara community. On tonight's show, we're talking about the biggest stories of the year in Isla Vista. I'm joined by Rebecca Carraway, reporter with NewsHawk. Welcome. Could you, you introduce yourself for our listeners? Yeah, uh, I'm Rebecca. I work with NewsHawk. I've been there since July of this year. I graduated Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo in June with a bachelor's degree in journalism. And now I'm here living and covering Isla Vista. And it's been really interesting so far. And yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. It's great to have you. Um, before we start, have you been adjusting to Isla Vista? Because I know you're new, I'm also new, I'm only a second year, so what's it been like? It's been really interesting. It's unlike anywhere else I've lived. Uh, it's definitely been an adjustment. The cost of everything was a huge shock, but sure. I am really enjoying it. Um, being by the ocean is insane. I doubt I'll ever be this close to the ocean again, but it's, yeah, it's been really great so far. Yeah, totally. I agree with all of that. Um, I wanted to ask about renting here, because that's sort of a unique insight that you have. In Isla Vista, it can be difficult, almost like a like an obstacle course. Mm-hmm. And something that adds to the complication is like this rising trend of rental scams. Mm. Could you talk about what this trend has looked like and what students should look out for? Yeah, rental scams is something I noticed like right away when I was trying to find housing. It's usually on Facebook or Craigslist. People will post a listing or just pictures of an apartment, a house, a room, and say, I have this available for, and they usually kind of lowball the price. So if a price seems too good to be true, it's unfortunately too good to be true. Um, And you if you message them they'll kind of give you the runaround a big red flag I noticed if you are not able to go see the place in person it's usually a scam so many places even if they say you can't and then the cancel usually a red flag Um, so definitely be wary of that try to just ask a lot of questions about the place Um, try to ask for like references from past tenants if you can but yeah it's it can get dangerous out there that's an interesting one. I haven't heard about asking for references, but that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I talked to the campus's legal resource center um, just last month, and they were saying that, yeah, it's sort of a different scene now that everything's mm-hmm. online, like you were saying, on Facebook and stuff like that, on Craigslist. What I'm trying to say is that modern problems require modern solutions. Have you seen any, like, solutions? Like, I know moderators on the Facebook groups. What are some of the solutions to the scam problem that you've seen? That's a tough question because I don't know. From people I've talked to, moderators, they really are trying to weave out scammers. I talked to one woman who said she's a property manager in Isla Vista, and she starts her day by going through the Facebook group, trying to weave out scammers, and ends her day doing the same thing. So I just more education around the issue, talking to your friends, letting them know, you know, don't be, don't be embarrassed if you did almost get scammed or if you were scammed, because some of these scams, they, it's really believable, um, and it's happened to a lot of people, so talk to your friends about it, 
um, share tips with each other because I, I'm not sure what solution there is now. If you do get, get scammed, you know, contact local law enforcement and see what you can do. But yeah, just, you know, try to talk to people, be aware, be very cautious, talk to your parents, talk to your friends and yeah. Yeah, I like that one about asking your friends around, not being embarrassed, because I think that's one of the things about a place like Isla Vista. There's such a turnaround of people going in and out all the time that it can be reliant on passing down information, mm -hmm. sort of. And I think that goes for cliff safety as well, which I Definitely. wanted to talk about. Um, I know that, like, the university is always trying to put out educational things, but those maybe don't always do the job that it students might be able to do just talking to each other and I've noticed there's two big ways that the county and sort of the community is trying to combat the issue of cliff danger one of those is fence heights that mm -hmm. one is pretty obvious you would think but what are some of the roadblocks that you've seen the county come up against in terms of raising the fence heights right I'm definitely not an expert this is an <laughs> ongoing issue I'm still learning a lot about I know there's a lot of issues with the Coastal Commission because it's right by the ocean. There's concern over the view of the ocean being blocked because, yeah, if you raise the fences to six feet, it will there will be some barriers there. But um, I still know I know that's a big one. Um, and just trying to work on those bluffs, I think trying to do anything right there can be a little dangerous. I mean, there's parts along DP where you can see like the fence is falling and the bluff is falling and it's just unfortunately a matter of time before the the fence and that piece of the bluff falls in mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah and even like the undercut balconies and mm -hmm. undercut properties that could fall in it's very scary it is um and part of what makes it even more dangerous with these balconies is people having big like parties mm -hmm. on them and I saw that you were reporting on this festival ordinance that they were putting in place to hopefully make, um, I guess, parties more safe. Could you talk about what this festival ordinance is? Yeah, definitely. I think the main one, two of the main goals is one, because these balconies are a little unstable, is to try to prevent the amount of people um, at parties. And also the paid parties is a big issue that I know students and the community and the sheriff's office, everyone, I don't think anyone is a fan of these paid yeah. parties. <laughs> um, and they, the paid parties bring in more people and I'm not sure if a lot of the properties are really built for that many people, especially on the balcony. So I know part of the ordinance is trying to prevent the paid parties and um, that bring in more people from out of the area. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I know when I saw the whole um, thing about pop-in mm -hmm. and them trying to create like paid party scene, I was really confused because I was thinking that, like you said, no, none of the groups around here are supporting that. And I just mm -hmm. didn't understand how they were getting established. No. Yeah. I mean, what do you think that this ordinance will do for the future of Isla Vista and I think students were expressing concern maybe about increased police presence because um, the police could get involved in shutting down parties more. Uh, is there anything that you've seen as to clues for what the future might look like? It's hard to say right now before it goes into effect. We can predict a lot and then 
and when it actually happens, things could look differently. For sure. I know I talked to Lieutenant Garrett Tesla from the Isla Vista Foot Patrol, mm-hmm. and they... He said that they just really want to make the public aware of some of the issues, especially with the bluff issues. Having these large parties, things can happen. Um, I attended some IVCSD meetings, and I know a lot of students are concerned about the increased police presence. So it will be interesting to see how that will look in practice. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what that looks like in the future as well. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Clarissa Hom with KCSB News. In the studio today with Newshawk reporter Rebecca Carraway. Thanks for being with us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Okay. I also wanted to talk more about living in Isla Vista in regards to parking. I know I've seen the community services district like you were talking about they put out a survey i saw it on instagram so i was happy (laughs) to see that it was getting widely spread um but this is basically part of a larger effort a larger study what can you tell us about this study and what they'll be looking at in terms of parking yeah so earlier this year ivcsd formed a parking study committee they're working with dixon resources unlimited along with ucsb and the county to survey the parking situation. The, sur- the study's going from, it's currently going on and will last till I believe the end of next summer to kind of look at the way parking changes throughout the year, especially with holidays and students coming and going um, during the week and on the weekends. Um, and so they're looking to hopefully at the end of the study find solutions to make parking a little less congested because right now Um, I believe they said the streets are, at night, 103% full. (laughs) It feels like that. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. (laughs) Okay, yes. I definitely think that just the demand exceeds what we have available, Mm -hmm. and I don't really know exactly what the solutions might look like just because there is such limited space. Um, These parties like the, the county and would you call them the Dixon... Dixon Resources Unlimited. They're a um, parking study group that they've worked in other areas where there's been a lack of parking and maybe downtown areas and um, just very condensed areas, though they did say Isla Vista is one of the most condensed areas they've worked in, which is interesting. It's pretty unique. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about with all of the nightlife, etc., there is people constantly creating these parties, whether they're Mm -hmm. paid ones or local ones, that just aren't the most safe environment for people to spend their time in. And I've been looking into a lot of sort of counter-programming, things that are put on either by the university or by really awesome local organizations. Have there been any uh, events in Isla Vista that you've been either looking forward to or that you've enjoyed? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm still... um like I said, I'm still new to the area, so I'm still every week trying to find my footing and trying to find (laughs) what to do on the weekends and, like, during um, weekdays. But I found, I believe it's, like, the flea market or the farmer's market. I'm not sure how often that happens, but I went through there uh, a couple weeks ago when it was going on, and it was really cool. It was really cute. And then I didn't, um, I wasn't able to go for the whole time, but I walked through the little 
Halloween event that they put on a yeah. few weeks ago, and I thought that looked really cute. I know, it's it's so cute, and I think the people who put those on are so creative. Like, Definitely. Even the, the um, flea market that happens. Definitely. I wanted to ask a little bit about um, post-grad, <laughs> so um, I think a lot of the people that I've talked to are either adults, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, well into their careers, or uh, students just like myself, so I think you have a unique perspective. What is it like coming out of uh, university and entering a profession like journalism? Yeah, it's really, it's been really interesting so far. Post-grad life, anyone will tell you, especially the first year, is very, it's just very weird. You're away from your friends, you're in a new city, most likely, you're at a new job. It's a big time for change and a lot of adjustment and you kind of have to figure out a whole new life, a whole new routine and going from, I was very busy in school, worked and school, but then going from that to a nine to five, it, it, it it's so much different than you're, than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big change. It can definitely get overwhelming. And yeah, working, doing journalism full time has definitely been an adjustment. Um, I was used to doing school and internships and um, not as full time as I am right now. But um, so doing journalism full time was an adjustment, but it's been really interesting to do that and being able to focus on like following stories for a long time. Um, Cal Poly was is also on the quarter system for now, though it is changing. Interesting. Um, so you would spend, you know, 10 weeks covering the same issue or kind of topic, sometimes even less. Sometimes you just have like a couple weeks to work on one story. But what I've really liked um, from now that this is my career and I'm doing this day in and day out, I've been able to follow stories kind of from beginning to end like with everything with the cliff safety not that I've been following it from the beginning because this has been going on for decades Mm -hmm. but I've been able to report on everything that's happened since um, the unfortunate unfortunate passing of Penny Shermer to everything from the board of supervisors now voting to raise the fence height so it's been really interesting to follow the journey of those stories and I'm excited to continue doing that. Yeah, totally. To go back to Cliff Safety, actually, have you seen uh, the plan that Laura Capps has put out? I was wondering if you've seen what the Board of Supervisors has said in terms of, like, approval or edits to her original eight-point plan. Right. So, first, they just approved last week the first part of the plan, which includes fencing and raising the minimum fence height from... It was three and a half to four feet. Uh, Now it's going to be six feet along all of Del Playa on private property and county property like the parks. So that's the first part. And then I know there's plans to bring other aspects of the plan, such as lighting and signage, back to the board to consider for recommendations later. And I know the memorial, uh, I believe Associated Students is working on that with IVCSD. And I know uh, Laura Capp said that she wants the county to be able to support the memorial too so it's an ongoing issue i know uh fence height was just the first step and i know there's plans to bring other the other aspects of the plan such as horticulture and lighting and signage uh to the board at later dates and the festival ordinance is kind of part of that plan it was going on before um but 
because of everything, it's kind of worked out to be a part of that plan. And I know the sheriff's office, I believe they're planning on bringing those recommendations to the board later this month, if not by the end of the year. Yeah, it's definitely a very comprehensive plan. So lots of more long-term solutions. And I think that's kind of what we need given the, the history in the past. Um, going back to what we were talking about in terms of post-grad life, is there anything that you would give as advice to other students, either post-graduation in general or in terms of, you know, finding their first job? Yeah, um, I would say it, it, there's so much pressure on soon-to-be graduates so to find the job, to find the summer internship. I was looking for a while and it took a little bit to find the job I have now and I got really lucky, but I know a lot of my friends don't like their jobs right now. They didn't like their internship. So it's okay if you don't find your dream job right after graduation. Like we're still so young. There's so <laughs> much time left and people make such big career changes throughout their life. And something I think about is I love what I'm doing right now, I but I don't know if I'll love it in 20, 30 years. And that's okay. That's okay if I make a change when I'm like 50 or when I'm 40. So don't put so much pressure on yourself. I have to say that to myself all the time. <laughs> yeah. um, there's going to be a lot of trial and error. It's kind of, you're kind of starting, it feels like you're a freshman in college again when you're starting a new school and you don't know if you like it yet and you don't know if you like your friends yet. Um, it it kind of gives you back to that feeling, especially when you're in a new city and at a new job. So just kind of remember how you felt when you were 18 and now you're kind of redoing that again and in the end it worked out you liked hopefully liked your time at college yeah. and here it's the same thing now like you might not like it now but this you don't have to do what you're doing now for the rest of your life you can change things up you can move cities you can change jobs and you'll figure it out in time yeah totally go with the flow then yeah. adjust <laughs> take your time to adjust I like it. Um, is there any other topic that you want to bring to our listeners? Um, I'm really interested to see how residents are going to spend the holidays, especially residents that live here full time and or are able to go home for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'm really interested to see how people spend their holidays and what it's going to look like in Isla Vista during winter break. I'm excited to be able to find parking. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm definitely, I'm just excited to see how residents will be spending their time um, for those that will be staying here during the holidays. Yeah, totally. Because I know for, for almost every holiday, including summer, uh, I have not been here, but mm. um, I did stay here for spring break and it's like Isla Vista totally like converted to a different yeah. place. Yeah. It was weird to see like... Um, almost a ghost town but <laughs> um yeah thank you so much for coming to talk with us mm -hmm. i had a great time me too thank you for having me and yeah i just want to say i'm really excited to be living here and reporting on isla vista and i still have a lot to learn and I, a lot of people i want to talk to and uh yeah i just want people to know that if there's an issue i'd love to hear their story and hear what's going on and yeah, I'm always available to just kind of listen to any rants or stories or even good news. I'd love to, like, just learn more about what people here are doing and what's going on in the community. Yeah, awesome. I love it. 
Is there a place that you would like people to know to contact you or to look more into your stories? Yeah, you can read all my stories at newshuck.com. And if you ever want to email me with anything, my email is rcaraway, C-A-R-A-W-A-Y, at newshuck.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's KCSB's Clarissa Hom speaking with Newshawk reporter and Isla Vista resident Rebecca Caraway about some of the biggest Ivy stories of the year. Before we end the show tonight, we wanted to wish you and yours a happy Thanksgiving holiday. There is a lot to be thankful for, even in times of crisis. Here at KCSB News, we appreciate you, our dedicated listeners and our hardworking reporters. We woke up today, and that's a reason to be grateful. And if you're relatively healthy and have a friend or family who loves you, you're doing okay. Plus, living in one of the most beautiful places on the planet is another reason to give thanks. With the cost of food and housing sharply on the rise, it's been a big challenge for some of our neighbors in IV and the UCSB community to get groceries for Thanksgiving and day-to-day. The Associated Students of UCSB Food Bank serves over 3,000 students each week. They distributed 330,000 pounds of food last year. Talk about a huge demand. And that's only among the UC Santa Barbara campus community population. The county's food bank, Food Bank SBC, is asking for extra help for their turkey drive and to supply holiday meals and food items to local families and individuals who need them. KCSB's Ginger Thomas spoke with Liana Orsua with Food Bank SBC to find out about the unique challenges the food bank is facing this year. The deadline to drop off goods for this year's Thanksgiving turkey drive has passed, but donations will be gratefully received throughout the holiday season. Orsua explains some of the items they have been gathering. A turkey, a ham, a chicken, and then also adding to that maybe vegetables, dry foods, uh, canned goods, things like that. So while we call it a turkey drive, we also do include canned and dried goods as well. And I recently read a news release on there currently being a shortage in donations. Could you tell us more about that and the food insecurity in Santa Barbara County? Yeah, absolutely. So um, what we're seeing right now is that families are really feeling the pressure of increased food and gas prices, really inflation as a whole. There's also the expiration of pandemic-related food programs and the lack of affordable housing and affordable and reliable childcare. So all that pressure is sort of building up and we've seen an increase in people accessing uh, food from the food bank by 40% over last year. So, um, and then additionally, we're also seeing a real volatile supply chain and a competitive produce market, which means that foods are harder to get, to get donated and purchases are more expensive. Um, So the food bank actually spent 38% more on produce purchases this year than we did last year. And where can these donations be dropped off? People can donate uh, any of those items that we mentioned to one of our two warehouses. We have a Santa Barbara warehouse, which is on Hollister Avenue. You can find the address on our website. And then we also have our Santa Maria address as well. And both of those locations are open Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. And is there anything else that you would like to add or for the listeners to know? One additional thing is just that we're seeing family expenses outpace work wages, which is another reason that's creating a spike in the number of people needing to use food bank services. You know, it's just across the board, we're seeing that there's 
more people trying to get high paying jobs than there are high paying jobs. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's right. also creating a real impact on, on our local families. And our, our goal is really to be able to minimize some of that impact um, so that there's less pressure that they're taking on. If we can provide, you know, $50 worth of groceries once a week, that can help ease some of that pressure. Right. Thank you so much. That's KCSB's Ginger Thomas's conversation with Food Bank SBC's Liana Orsua. More information about how to support the efforts of the Food Bank can be found at foodbanksbc.org. I'm Zoha Malik, wishing you and yours a safe and peaceful Thanksgiving holiday. You've been listening to Inside Isla Vista. Thanks for tuning in Wednesdays at 5 p.m. to find out what's happening in and around Isla Vista. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm Clarissa Hom. Our theme music is Siesta by Jawser. This is 91.9 FM KCSB.